Welcome to another exciting episode of the Business of Sound. My name is David Segura, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Glassbox Media and the host of this podcast. As always, our goal is to provide you with actionable tips that will help make you more successful and achieve all your dreams of the podcast. Join us every Thursday as we bring expert insights and conduct exclusive interviews with some of the industry's leading voices. But before we get started, please hit that subscribe button and help us get a five-star rating so you can stay up to date with all the latest episodes of Business of Sound. Today, we have a special episode. We're actually at the Spotify studios here in beautiful Brooklyn, and I'm joined by my co-founder, Chris Whitman, and also Nick Castor, our director of marketing. We're going to discuss our approach to podcasting partnerships at Glassbox and outline how we decide what shows to work with and what to co-produce in some cases. I think ultimately our goal is to tell you a little bit more about ourselves, but also hopefully you know give some insights to podcast executives creators and other folks in the industry and maybe apply some of these best practices themselves. So without further delay, let's dive into it. Okay. So uh, podcast partnerships, um, the topic today, this is, um, Glassbox assigns long-term exclusive deals with podcasts, and then we support them through monetization, audience growth, and, and adaptations. So this whole conversation conversation is centered around the, the shows we look to sign, how we do that, how we reach out, how we select shows, all of that. But just just at the top, you know, very high level here, what, why is this so important for the company? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of innovation in the creator space, the podcasting space. Um, I kind of feel like people put either their heart and soul into the work and try to do everything they can to make it special. But I know firsthand how hard it is to do podcasting. So as a result of that, we really feel that we can help them achieve, you know, what their goals are from a revenue perspective, brand partnership perspective, uh, derivatives perspective, and basically allow them to focus on what they care about most. That's usually the content, it's usually the storytelling. So I think there's a place in the world, not only for us, but frankly, even for companies like us, whose central mission is to help creators. Yes. And um, so what what type of shows, I know like Glassbox, when we started, we were we were big in true crime. Is is that is that still the case? Um, and just for context of the listeners, I asked some of these questions to, to prompt the discussion. Um, as a marketing director, I, I um, like some of these seem silly coming out of my mouth, but I um, they're, they're all the prompt, prompt a conversation. So because I know Chris sits in on a lot of those um, like early, early meetings with podcasters as, as we as we form form that relationship, I, I'll, I'll kick that one to Chris. Yeah, sure. Uh, as I like to say, uh, we pretty much have everything but sports. But to your point, we did cut our teeth, so to speak, in true crime. Some of our first podcasts that we signed up, um, Going West as an example, Crossbase Media, uh, which just came out with an awesome show called Dark Valley, mm-hmm. um, all true crime. Um, what's been interesting about that is that, you know, as we've like, you know, built brand partnerships, as we've worked to help like cross promote shows and grow their audiences, we found that you know, building a cohort of true crime shows has made a lot of sense. Uh, and there's a lot of economies of scale that come with that. Um, but as we've gone and expanded, talked to more buyers in the space, advertisers that I mean by that, um, you know, brand safe content, like health and fitness, um, you know, runs the gambit to investing, finance, uh, social, you know, social commentary, all those things are really valuable for us. Yeah, yes. And is there a... Um... Like what? What kind of creator? If if it's um, fairly category slash, um, I mean, content format agnostic. Um, what 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 type of creator are we are we focusing in on? I don't know. I think established creators. You know, like we want to work with everyone, and we certainly make exceptions from time to time. 
we want to work with folks that have already done the hard work, the heavy lifting of establishing their own voice, building a community of sorts. And then they most likely have somewhere between, doesn't have to be this, but 200,000 to a million listeners, you know, downloads being generated every single month. And we feel like our model works best to kind of help them grow and accelerate, explore derivatives or new content offshoots. And uh, that's what we try to stick to. I think someone who's starting from scratch or might be an amazing creative professional, but hasn't really done podcasting before, there are some, you know, studios and I think platforms that are great for that, mm-hmm. but maybe a little less out of our, you know, our, our core strength. Yeah. And I'd say also just to, just to add to that a little bit, um, we do like to look at ratings a lot too, you know, like, you know, how are they ranking on Apple? How are they ranking on Spotify? Are the listeners engaged uh, to David's point? I think social media is important, but, you know, even more important is, you know, kind of the comment section uh, on all those platforms. So um, we've been really excited to sign some pretty awesome podcasts lately that are in the tens of thousands in terms of, you know, ratings uh, and, and in the five-star range as well, which is good. Yeah. So that's a lot of uh, um, a lot of support there. So that's always really exciting for us to see too. Yeah, you know, and it's one of those like classic podcast tasks where like every show asks asks to leave a, uh, leave a rating, but there is a real world like impact of that rating is, is you know, brands or, or partners like us come in um, at the t- to strike a deal. Um, so the, um, how are, and again, generally speaking, um, the, how are these deals structured and like, uh, are there at a, like, um, especially in relation to IP, like how, how, um, what, what's the approach to, to that? Uh, we basically have two types of deals. One is the standard distribution monetization agreement meaning that our core mission is going to be to help get their content out, provide the ad hosting if necessary, and basically monetize it. That's pretty much true for all our contracts. While the the commercials can be a little different, average length is five years. That can also be different too, depending on the client or the partner. And then we also, where possible, so to your point, we also try to do IP or development deals. And what we're trying to do there is become your minority partner. Uh, we don't want to control the editorial vision at all. It's not our strong suit. We also don't even want to be in the driver's seat. We want the creator to stay motivated. And that means literally surrendering most of the upside. But we think this allows us to basically work with different types of creators and different genres and help them explore what's appropriate. So for some people, that could be book publishing. Um, for other people, it's TV. And we definitely have a few case studies that we can kind of speak to that are kind of getting off the ground. But we can detail everything there. Yeah, so in in those conversations, what uh, what value does, does Glassbox bring? provide on the uh, like uplifting uplifting the, the the ip and the and the adaption space yeah so the most basic is that we provide financing um you know we're certainly not the only ones that can do that but when you're a creator and you're exploring let's say a seasonal podcast or some other type of concept maybe adapt your like current podcast it's not easy and so you have to solicit funding so in some ways we function almost as an investor and since we now have like you know sweat equity and also like literal equity in the business we're going to try that much harder to make something happen and taking a step back, honestly, media is just converging. The reality is there's not much of a difference anymore between TV and streaming. And I'd argue podcasting is blending into that. So the same way books are used as source material for film and TV shows, it's very true now that podcasts are becoming that as well. And so one example that I kind of speak to at a high level is Dark Valley. That's a podcast that we recently co-produced, as you know, mm-hmm. with our friends at Crawl Space Media, most famous for the Crawl Space and Missing podcast. This is a vision that I think the whole team, um, including Jen, you know, really had. Um, so we decided to obviously back to the play band. And now that's obviously a top 10, like uh, Apple and Spotify, uh, true crime hit. 
it spawned quite a lot of downloads. And now we have a lot of interest from different production studios that, you know, want to adapt it. And there's a lot of the usual suspects on the streaming side that want to buy the worldwide perpetual rights to it. So, but, um, you know, I'm excited about that. Yes. Yeah. And, um, um, more information to come eventually, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's what, um, I was, I was asked recently if we had a case study on it, on any of this, this IP talk, I was like, we're building it as we speak. So yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And these, and these things take time too. I mean, yeah. it's been, um, it's been a journey. Uh, and I remember when we had these guys in the, in the studio, what was that? Two, three months ago, something like, like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Like six episodes back. So, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but so go listen to that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just been, you know, they've been talking about it for two years mm-hmm. uh, and they've been, you know, working on it and you know, it's been amazing to see it come to fruition. It was awesome um, plugging them in, into the Tribeca creators market when yeah. Nick, you were uh, pretty integral in helping support. Um, so it's been, uh, it's been really fun, really exciting. And uh, yes, that case study will be great. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I remember on a, uh, I was on a text thread with um, Tim, Jen and Lance af- after it launched and it ended up charting, I think, as high as number 12 on the true crime charts on both Apple and, and Spotify. Um, and I remember Lance, like, uh, on, on day day two was just blowing up, blowing up the group chat we all had. I was just like, this is a hit. It's doing so well. And I, and I was sort of in the in the mindset of, like, kind of holding my breath of, like, all right, this seems to be doing well, but is it doing well? And then it, it, it of course, ended up being being the hit that 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 it is that, yeah, just fantastic project. Um, On the, you know, that... Um, spoke a lot about like film and in like TV adaptations. Um, I, um, I think one interesting avenue that, you know, we, we continue to explore as well is, is with books. What, what's your, um, like what's Glassbox approach to, to turning some of these shows in, into books? Meaning that everybody in media, whether in your music, whether you're in TV, whether you're in, in book publishing, everyone has the same sort of constraints and concerns. They're trying to lessen risk and develop new IP. The problem with that is that it's hard to take a chance on like an emerging writer, maybe someone that's never had a bestseller before. So the reason why podcasts can be an interesting way to approach this industry is that even though it is UIP, which is exciting, especially for development professionals at the publishing level, um, there's an audience that can cross-sell to. So as an example, we when we pitch one of our talents, there's one in particular I'm thinking right now in the philosophy sector, um, we're not, able, not just able to tell them that like, hey, we're going to bring to the table around half a million of his monthly listeners, but we can also increase that simple by several factors by using other podcasts that quality related also have very male concentrated audiences and that helps lessen the risk. And it literally gives them impressions that they can use to drive book sales. Mm-hmm. And we're nor- and we're absolutely fine with like guaranteeing some of millions of impressions, you know, if we get a favorable book deal for ourselves and the talent. So I think in the future, that's going to be something that we're going to be doing. Yeah, yes. Um, so, um, you know, we've discussed the type of podcast that we identify and and, and look look to go go after. What's the process of like that reach out and and how 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 does that tend to work? Yeah, it's it's a lot, it's a lot of research. Um, I would say so. We've got um, our man in Nashville, Matt, uh, kind of heads up our you know podcast A and R team, but he's built a pretty rigorous system of you know basically. You know, researching podcasts, uh, we get a lot of support from freelancers and interns to help with this as well. Um, but what we'll do is we'll actually, you know, just put in all the data, right? All the data points. What's it about? What's the genre? Um, you know, I mentioned ratings earlier. We look at that. Um, we use tools like Podchaser to kind of think through, you know, um, you know, the probability of success or future success. Um, you know, we try to understand what the size is as well. Um, and then you will listen to them. Uh, I think that's a big 
missing piece. What's been really interesting, uh, how Matt's created the uh, the process for us is that we get a lot of responses from podcast hosts, even if they're like, you know, you know, thanks, thanks for the outreach, but no thanks. They always kind of underscore the fact that it was really thoughtful outreach, um, and they really felt like you know they were heard and listened to, uh, which I think doesn't happen a lot. Uh, so we put a lot of rigor in understanding who we're reaching out to before we reach out to them, because we want the the partnership to be valuable, right? At the end of the day, um, like David mentioned earlier, we're going for long term exclusive contracts, um, as we mentioned, you know, with like the example of Dark Valley and a few others, some of these you know, longer term projects take some time to come to fruition. And, you know, we want to make sure that it's worth everybody's while. And, you know, as much value as we can bring to the table, we will. Yeah. Yes. And um, what's the uh, what's the approach with these podcasters with monetization being such a, a big component of, of this deal and like brand partners, brand partnerships and, and ad sales being, you know, the, the largest pillar to that. Um, what what is the approach to setting expectations around like the brands they'll work with and um, and, and that component to to these deals? Yeah, I mean, monetization is a big part of it. I mean, we try to set like expectations, even offer minimum guarantees in some cases, or many cases, I should say. But at the same time, too, they value things like marketing and audience development. They want to talk about like where they're at now, who's in their community, and different ways we can do that. So whether it's you know our promos and booking appearances to uh, barter swaps, where we basically use trailers uh, to you know get impressions against unsold inventory that we have from the inventory. Those are the kind of things they want to learn more about. Not because they don't know. They usually do. Some of them, more so than others, you know, do a lot of the heavy lifting themselves. So even employ staff to help them. But it's never going to be there. It's almost every creator we talk to, they want to invest in, like, you know, shows and content and their craft. And they want to leave kind of everything else to their partner. So we think it's, like, helping. And uh, there's a nice balance there between audience growth and money that really kind of matter to these creators who understand that it's their job. Increase the value of the franchise make an outstanding living out of this and see how far this Yeah. And especially with so many of our creators being very independent in nature that like a, a lot of them grew their grew their audience from their basement or 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 living room and then um and then and then partnered with us. With that like independent spirit, what what are what's some resistance you hear from from podcasters or who who, who may be hesitant or or um or skeptical of of uh, a a partnership like this? I mean, like, I mean, you would know more so the most, but like next week, uh, you know, I'm on a panel that talks about that, literally the pros and cons of uh, joining a media company like ours or a more traditional network like other folks. Well, every every creator struggles with the idea of like giving up too much independence. So there's a balance. They want to make sure they control certain things. And usually, at least in our experience, the things that are non-negotiable is ultimate control, the editorial vision. And I think there's a little bit more leeway to be like, well, um, does this company support you know, my values 100%. I think it's important that there's alignment. We don't want anyone to like read or take sponsorship from someone that they fundamentally don't agree with. But I do think like they have to get used to the idea that like it's a great creative product, but fundamentally like a lot of types of content, it's ad supported. And I think it's a commercial medium. So I'm probably uh, rambling a bit at this point, but I will say that we've certainly worked with some creators that are a little bit more commercially minded and other creators that are in it for other reasons. But I think all of them at the end of the day, realize there's balance between like art and commerce. What are some, I mean, we, we mentioned like total downloads and then reviews. Are there any other like KPIs that like if I was an independent podcaster sort of like looking at the, at the, uh, at the marketplace, like at which point would you begin 
these types of conversations? And then what are like the most important like metrics to, to take, in account, take into account and look at? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think size is important because we want to make sure that, you know, what we're bringing to the table um, can match the expectations of the podcast host. <laughs> um, and frequently that tends to revolve around revenue. Um, although I'd say we've signed a lot of podcast hosts who are also equally excited or sometimes more excited about marketing. Um, one, one other metric that we're looking at a lot more, uh, you know, recently is, you know, for the podcast creators who have set up their own Patreon, um, seeing how engaged their communities are oftentimes, um, you know, between that and the rankings and the ratings and the reviews on, uh, you know, Apple and Spotify, that gives us a pretty good indicator of how, um, you know, just excited their audience is about the hosts. Uh, as we know, podcasting is an influencer medium, uh, audio influencers, and a lot of the podcast uh, advertisers are kind of expecting the host to be able to sell through product through that, you know, um, the strength of that voice. So, you know, we look at those things to just to get a better indication of like how well we can, you know, monetize the podcast and, and lean into that audience. Yeah. I think just to add to that, specific to us, at least not sure for everyone, is that we do look at the U.S. geography quite a bit. Mm -hmm. In other words, right now, we're at place in time as a kind of a fast-growing startup that uh, we want to focus on, not just English-speaking countries primarily, but also those that have the majority of the audience in the U.S. We do have a number of U.K.-based uh, media creators that we work with to support. We find that's a market that we can monetize pretty well. But, you know, when people tell us, I mean, we're based here in New York, uh, definitely have representation out in California and elsewhere, I feel like that's still the central focus. So for us, that matters a lot. And then I think the other is kind of near community or even like the equal sitting base. Like, um, I certainly don't want to give too much away, but we certainly have some podcasts that are good sized, you know, like have a large audience based on geography and also total downloads. But surprisingly have like remarkable amount of like listens come up essentially per user. So some of those podcasts include like self helpful and others where their community is super engaged and we do look at them. And uh, that's something that actually matters a lot to us that more likely to be able to perform well not just for brands but for themselves and uh, other partners as well yeah and with that 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 example you just gave self-helpful the average listener of that show listens to 20 episodes per month which is just a crazy consumption rate um yeah yeah so just 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 goes to show like the authority and, and you know little influence he he has over so the very first episode of this feed was a um sort of like kind of backstory the story of Glassbox Media. So again, as we were um, taking taking a lesson from Gary Arndt, the uh, Glassbox host of Everything Everywhere Daily, he is uh, he has instructed us to always reference back to previous previous episodes. Um, so that first episode has the uh, you know backstory of the company, and in it we talk about how this is um, like uh, both of you two have a long history in media and entrepreneurship, but this is your first for foray into uh, podcast. What what are some of like the biggest lessons lessons learned while creating these these partnerships with with creators? You know, for for me at least, it's like obviously founder fit, just making sure that we're aligning with podcasts that we know that we can support, not just based on editorial vision, but size and scale. Uh, we've certainly done some experiments that have worked out really really well, but to be candid, some of those experiments have been with podcasters that we know and trust. So as an example, we already talked about them some, but. The crawl space team with Dark Valley, like I'll, I'll be candid, like I think Chris and I are both a little bit reluctant to back the idea for this new and seasonal podcast concept, Dark Valley. Uh, Jed, Tim, last old team was pretty passionate and they want us sober, but I think frankly, it's easier to say yes to that. Let's do a podcast from scratch. Let's go ahead and fund 100% of this simply because we knew it wouldn't be when we were working with people who worked before 
And then with your and your team's help on the marketing side, we knew we could basically do like almost like a blitz like type promotion uh, between B drops and, um, you know, barter swaps and other promotion. We thought there was a good chance we could build momentum. And luckily for all of us, we did. So at least for me, going back to the basics, you're building a company. It sounds so obvious, but it's something that people kind of like look over and move past, especially when things are happening quickly. But I think it always is a good idea to explain like, you know, who you support and why and just try to limit yourself to those. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, background in media is pretty interesting. I mean, I got my career started on the buy side. So I was working um, at big agencies on big brands. And, you know, that can be very, very spots and dots. What I think has been really interesting, even when I was working, uh, you know, with, for, however you want to phrase it, (laughs) David, Alongside, yeah, <laughs> I didn't work for you. Um, inside <laughs> media, you know, uh, that was video ad tech, still very spots and dots. And I think one of, one of the things that's been really beautiful about um, podcasting is that you know it's it's still a talent driven business. Um, and so while we do have the spots and dots um, part of the equation when we are working with brands and even when we're thinking through. Uh, media plans for cross-promotional marketing and, you know, growing audiences, um, you know, we're still dealing with people on the other side of the ball as well, um, and sometimes media companies. But uh, I think listening is really important. Uh, I think every host has a different perspective or brings different perspectives to the table. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being able to, like, you know, bring the value, continuously bring the value to the table, but you know, it's not always like standard playbook, like spots and dots media is, um, we're dealing with people. Uh, we have to be very thoughtful about how we're, you know, approaching those conversations. Yes. Yeah. Um, brilliant. Um, so one last topic to end on, you know, there's been, um, podcasting has had quite the year, um, and seems to be picking up, uh, 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 steam again. And, you know, there were certain deals and structures, structures of deals that, um, kind of also came back to, to earth over, over the past 12 months. Where, where do you see, podcast partnerships going in in the the year plus to come that's a good that's a good question because it means something for us and the industry as a whole i think there's a lot of overlap but one thing i've been saying simplistically and just just neutral comment but a lot of european-based companies the network and platform level are kind of um, retrenching some and basically focusing more on the home market uh you know the european continent for lack of a better term maybe for that reason a lot of we've noticed us-based podcasters are up for grabs if they're on those platforms so without setting too aggressive or anything, like we have been, you know, having those combos, try to see where it makes sense to work together. And if possible, try to provide more support to some of these folks that maybe feel like they're not part of the core plan anymore. Uh, additionally, too, it's just inevitable, but mostly happy stories been a lot of consolidation happening in the industry right now. A lot of mergers, a lot of acquisitions. So there's always, you know, amazing creators and content that just ends up being like, not orphaned, but maybe less core to the mission. There's examples I can think of. I'm not trying to be purposely vague. But how's it all I want to miss the street is like an attack or something? Yeah. I don't feel that way. But uh, we're, we're aware of those trends. And so for that reason, we've been very busily trying to like reach out to folks that we think are out of joint. And we've also had the pleasure of like being reached out to some of those people proactively and some of their talent agents also hmm. and try to negotiate deals that kind of work for all parties. So that's kind of where things stand, I think, on our side. And then, of course, you know, we're just organically looking for podcasts and certain genres where we've historically done well so chris you made the joke that like we're you know doing almost everything except for sports that's true you know we're not against sports but at the end of the day it's all about building scales or genres so true crime is great for so many reasons something we can monetize well comedy is also something that we really believe in 
you know, we just recently signed a podcast called R Slash. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was actually, you know, uh, credit where credit's due, uh, courtesy referral from Spotify. Mm-hmm. So, uh, double kudos to them for that, but also for hosting us today in their like wonderful studio. Uh-huh. And, you know, there's just different genres that we're trying to get behind to build more mass in. So I'm excited for the future. Yeah, yeah. And what's interesting about sports is like some of the biggest sports podcasts I can think of are very much like ESPN produces that. that there's not like an independent creator sign-in sign in deals. Um, so that, that probably explains partially why like the, the, the uh, with the, the, you know, independent nature of most of our creators, the sports hasn't hit a roster. Um, um, Chris, any, uh, any, uh, any other bold predictions to, to add before we close up? Not to not to be controversial, because I know what I'm about to say is going to be super Ooh. controversial. Clip um, it, clip it without any context. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but we're we're getting pretty excited about video as well. Um, it's not mandatory by any means. We don't look at a podcast and say, oh, it doesn't have video, it doesn't have YouTube, so let's not sign it. Um, but we are seeing more and more a lot of interest from brands and advertisers and being able to access audiences across both audio only and, you know, audio video. And, um, you know, I don't think it's an either or thing. I think people are consuming content wherever they want to consume it. Um, I remember back in my twenties, uh, when Spotify came to the U S I thought they were like the best thing in the world. (laughs) And YouTube came into my offices at J and J and they were like, we're number one in music. And I was like, how on earth are you possibly number one in music? There's Pandora, there's Spotify. People were building playlists of music videos on YouTube and they were listening to them uh, or watching them or a combination of the two. Um, and so I very much view this, the whole simulcast conversation through that lens. Um, I think people are just consuming content where they want to consume it. And um, from our perspective, uh, we're getting excited about that. I know Spotify and Megaphone are building a lot of tools around um, you know, ensuring that video can be distributed successfully across Spotify's apps uh in those environments as well so um yeah i'd say that's the uh that's the other thing that we're looking at um with that in mind you know thanks everyone for listening to today's episode um as always the show is produced by erica baranda and nick castor or if we try to produce an episode every other thursday we think there's more than enough content to go around more than enough topics so as long as you're listening we're gonna keep producing and we do ask that you leave a five-star review you can buy it in your heart makes the show more discoverable and it's also just a little bit extra motivation and as always, you know, feel free to follow Glassbox Media itself on LinkedIn, Instagram, or your social platform of choice. And with that in mind, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.